This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. So good to see all of you. It's blessed to be back in the house of God. I missed you guys. I'm going to receive tonight's uh, tithes and offerings. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 25, and I'm not going to read the whole parable, but this is the parable of the three servants. Remember that the Lord had come, and he gave all three of those servants something, just like the Lord gives all of us something. He gave every single one of them a different amount, and he said, take care of this. Take care of this money. Take care of what's mine. And at the very end, you'll have to go back and read if you want to know the full story in Matthew 25. But the very last thing he said in verse 29, he said, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. Isn't that a great thing? When we, the Lord gives us what he is his, and we take care of it, he said that he will give us even more. He will give us an abundance. But if we're not a good steward, here's what the other part says. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And some people may think, well, that's not fair. That's not fair of God that he blesses some people. Well, what are we doing with what God has given to us? Each one of us, it says that he gives us work for our hands, and from our work, we can pay tithes, we can give offerings, and when we honor God with our money, it says the Lord blesses us back in abundance. How many of you can testify to that, that that God blesses you back? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all of the ones, God, who tithe and give. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to be good stewards, Lord, that whatever you've given to us, you've placed in our hands, God. May we not be the servants who do nothing, God, and don't honor you back. But Lord, may we be the good servants, Father, who make something, God, with what you've given to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for giving so faithfully. Hey, um, we're finishing up our Thrive series all summer long. Can you believe it? My husband is itching to come back. He was like, are you going to be ready or do you want me to do it? I said, no, no, I'm going to be ready. He is speaking in the youth tonight. But we're, we gave him the full summer sabbatical on Wednesday night so that he could uh, just receive and get refreshed. But It's been so good. We've talked about physical health. We've talked about emotional health. We've talked about financial health. We've talked about spiritual health. And we've talked about mental health. And the last area that we're going to talk about is relational health. And how many of you are in relationships? Everybody should raise their hand. Because whether you're, I'm not saying, I didn't say married. I didn't say you had children. We all have relationships, and so we all need to know how can we be healthy in our relationships. This is a big thing in life, is is that people would be healthy in their relationships. That's with one another, with their families, with their friends, at their jobs. We should be healthy and have healthy relationships with others. See, there's a word that um, is used a lot when we talk about families today, and that's dysfunctional. 
You hear that from a lot of people. The word refers to this sense of disintegration produced in a family where there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of hurt. Did y'all get the handout? I forgot to ask that. If you didn't get a handout, if you'll raise your hand up, our lovely ushers are help, helping. Thank you so much. If you'll just keep your hand up, they'll get to that. They'll bring you one. So dysfunction. And so it can be caused by divorce. It can be caused by sibling rivalry. It can be caused by addictions. It can be caused by abuse. There's so many things that can cause uh, dysfunction in families. And one of the strange dynamics of family life is that children go and repeat the same mistakes generally that their families go through. Their children repeat it. We can hate it as much as we want. We can say, I'm never gonna be like that. How many of y'all, when you were a child and your parents did something that really irritated you and you said, I am not gonna do that. I'm not gonna treat my kids like that. Or maybe you looked at your siblings, they had, they had older kids and you're like, well, I wouldn't do that. When I have kids, I'm gonna do this. And or we can look at people in marriages, or we can look at you know, all kinds of relationships, and we can, we can act like we're not gonna repeat those same mistakes. But how many of you know without Jesus, we're just destined to just keep repeating that same dysfunction? But thank God, Jesus can come in, and he can change things in our hearts, and then there's a process, that's what we're gonna talk about tonight, some different facets of healthy relationships that maybe weren't modeled for you. Many of us did come from dysfunctional homes. That's just the fact of life. And we can't change anything that happened back here. Hopefully we can look back and we can learn from it. Many of us have made some bad mistakes in relationships. Maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you treated someone very awful when you were younger. Uh, may, you just never know. And God can redeem that. And he wants to redeem things for families. See, we have to look at life in the long term. Not just today, that's, that's our problem, is so many times we look at life just today. What is this gonna mean today? We need to look down the road. What is your life gonna look like in five years? What is your relationships that you're in right now? 10 years down the road, because let me just tell you, at 57 years old, life goes really fast. How many of y'all can say that? The older you get, you realize, Life goes so fast. And you may think, that's so far down the road. It's coming quickly. And you want to look at life in the long term. What can I do to make better decisions today? Because you know what? Your decisions don't just affect you. They affect everyone around you and everyone that you're in relationship with. Your decisions and so we want to learn, how do I make healthy relationship decisions? See, we have to be faithful to God no matter what family situation we came from. You may have come from an alcoholic father. You may have come from a mother who abandoned you. You may have come from a background of abuse. We can't change that. 
But God understands and he wants to help us rise above whatever negative influences we have in our lives. And we're going to learn these lessons and if we put them into practice, guess what? We're going to have some healthy relationships. So let's start. The first scripture, Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you in the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. That's going to be my theme tonight, is that God wants us knit together with these strong ties of love. Whatever your relationships look like, they should have strong ties of love. And then remember our scripture, we've, we've read this quite a bit over the summer, Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31, the, the people came and asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? What's the best commandment? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. So that's the number one, love the Lord. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So our number one thing in life is to love God and our number two is to love others. This should be our motivation in life is love. It's what keeps family strong. It's what keeps us able to withstand the pressures the world is throwing at us. How many of y'all have felt a little bit of pressure this week, this past week? Any pressure? No, y'all just have lives that are just easy. <laughs> We're all under pressure. Jobs and school starting and finances and all of the different things. Love will keep us, keep us from build, that pressure building up. Love is what will tie us together. So let's talk about these practical things. Tie number one, if you'll write this down, respect and honor each other. Respect and honor each other. That's the first tie. See, another word for respect is honor. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. See, when we honor another person, it boosts their feeling of value. It boosts their feeling of value. Everyone wants to feel valued. That's, that's a, a big heart cry for people today. What do you think social media is all about? It's about putting yourself out there and someone saying, notice me, value me, think that I'm important. Look at what I've done and, and hopefully you're gonna value what I've done. When we value each other, we place, we make someone feel, you're important to me. When we honor them and we respect them, everyone wants to feel valued. The second tie of love is keep commitments to build trust. Keep commitments to build trust. 
So why is keeping our commitments and honoring our promises so important? So important. Because we all tend to construct our hopes around promises. Think about when you were a child. If your parent promised you, I'm going to be there at 10.30 on Saturday and I'm going to take you to wherever. Maybe it was the circus when you were growing up. And they didn't ever come for you. I know I've heard of children who come from divorced families and, and the father would say, you know, there would be an appointment and I'm going to pick you up on Saturday at 10 o'clock. And that child would sit there and wait. They had a promise and they would wait to be picked up. Listen, we construct our hopes around promises and it's a big deal that we keep our commitments and keep our promises because it builds trust for people. Think about at your work. If you're signed up to be there at nine o'clock and you show up at 9.45 and you're like, ah, oh, no big deal. Guess what? You're not building trust with your boss, with your work. And how about in a marriage? See, when a man promises to love a woman and give her, it gives her security. When a man says, I'm going to be there for you, I'm going to put you above all other people, it gives a woman the security to be who God's called her to be. When's the last time, married couples, that you visited your wedding vows? You thought about them again. Stormy and I do a lot of weddings. We've married a lot of people in the past. And I always think about that because I write out all the things for him and then he's usually the one that gets up and does the vows. And I think about that. What, are, we making, are we keeping those vows or is it just that one-time thing that we are saying and then we're not keeping those promises? That's what's so cool about our marriage retreat. I encourage all of you married couples to sign up and go next February because we always have a vow renewal and we, we talk about our vows and we say vows to each other and we recommit our promises to each other and we build trust with each other. Proverbs chapter 17, 17 says... A dear friend will love you no matter what, and a family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. Wow. Any of your families been through some trouble? Do y'all know that there are no perfect families? None. There's not one perfect family out there. Every single family goes through troubles. They can look a lot different and never judge someone by what you see on the outside or on social media especially because that's them putting their best highlight reel out there for people to see. No one knows what goes on behind closed doors except that family and there are no perfect families. But I love this, it says that a family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. See, we can keep our promises. We can keep our commitments no matter what trouble comes. So I have a question for you parents out there. Have you kept your promises to your children? Have you promised things to your children that you were going to do, you were not going to do? I'll just give you a little example. We go out to the 
Lubbock County Detention Center every Monday afternoon, and there's a lot of promises that are made out there. You know, there's a lot of those women, we go in that pod and they, they sit there and tell us in our Bible study, I'm never going to do these things again. And this one girl, I, we, would, we considered her a, kind of a spiritual leader of that pod. She, I mean, she would worship, she would talk about the things of God, but I knew something just wasn't quite right. Something just, it just didn't sit right. And she was always just a little too showy about it all. And uh, we had her in class. Monica had her in the class before us. And she would just, she, I would call her big talker Betty Crocker. Y'all know what that is? Someone that just talks a big talk. And uh, the last few times I went out there, gosh, something just didn't sit right. And she told me a story one day, and we have little small groups where we get together and talk about what we learned from the Bible. And, and she, she tells, I mean, out of one side of her mouth, she's saying, you know, I'm going to do all these things. And when I get out and I'm going to lead a Bible study and I'm called to ministry and all this, great, I want you to do that. And then out of the other side of her mouth, she talks about her addictions and meth, and she tells me a story. And she said, I, my son, she had a 10-year-old son, and she said, I told him he could have my old phone. So he goes and turns on her phone, and he, as soon as the phone gets service, he, she, he connects it to service. She starts getting, her Facebook is open, and she starts getting Facebook messages. Well, he starts reading them, and they are her old friends saying, hey, are you out? Let's come smoke a joint. Come and let's get high. And she said, my son cried when I talked to him on the phone, and he said, mom, please, please don't go back and do that. Please don't do that. Well, see, she needs to keep some promises to her family, some commitments. She needs to build some trust like the rest of us do in our relationships. All right, so when we keep our commitments, it builds trust, and there's no such thing as a healthy relationship apart from trust. Trust is a firm foundation upon which a family is built. Tie three, our tie of love, Value each other by listening and understanding. Listening and understanding. James 1.19, this is one of my life verses. I need to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it to myself all the time. Any of y'all not have a problem with words? My problem is always not letting the words that are in my head come out because I have lots of words to say. So this could be a life verse for you. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Boy, that's a good life verse, isn't it? Speak that over ourselves. See, deal with your people that you're around as your heavenly father deals with you. Isn't that a, a novel concept? The people that you're around, how about you deal with them as the Father deals with you? What? How does God treat us? When we make a mistake, when we blow it, 
When we do the stupidest thing, does he come at us and shame us and point his finger and say, you're so stupid? Why did you do that again? Why'd you mess up again? Why did you look at pornography again? Why did you treat that person like that? That's not what Father God does. What does he do? Does he ever, he doesn't approve of our sin, but he loves us. And he says, come back to me and I'll help you. Come back to me and I help you. That's what we need to do with our relationships, is we need to listen and we need to understand. Never allow the people in our lives to think that our love is conditional on their behavior. Y'all got that? Never let them think that. See, Pastor Stormy and I, son, made a lot of decisions growing up. In his teenage and young adult years, very difficult decisions. Very shameful for us as pastors. Very hard to walk through. But we never let him think that we loved him any less for the decisions he made. Ever. Our love is not conditional on his behavior. Sometimes he rejected our love, pushed us away, didn't make any difference to me. And so the people that you're in relationship with, you love them unconditionally, just like Father God loves us. He listens to us. He understands us. See, what does it mean to understand another person? I like this. It means to make what is important to the other person as important to you as the other person is to you. Whatever they think is important because they're important to you, make it a big deal. Make it seem important. For instance, one father who was not much of a sports fan had a son who developed an interest in hockey. So one year he took his son to as many hockey games as he could. It cost him some money and time but proved to be a strong bonding experience for them. One of his friends asked him in the middle of that hockey season, do you like hockey that much? He said, no, but I like my son that much. See, we make other people in relationships that are healthy feel like we understand them, we listen to them, we value what they value. So how do we develop this understanding spirit? We, we just have to make the time to listen to one another. And I'm very guilty of this. How many of you are multitaskers? I mean, you're, you're doing, you're doing, maybe your husband comes home, maybe your mom, maybe your kid, and you're doing stuff and they're like trying to talk to you and, and tell you things. And you're, uh-huh. Uh-huh, but you're doing a couple of things. See, we need to make time to listen to people. Make time to really hear their hearts. And y'all know that some people aren't as verbal. How many of you are not as verbal? It takes you a little while to process your words before you can get them out. That's not me, but I'm just raising my hand. Raise your hand if that's you. <clears throat> we have to give people time. And especially if you're the verbal person like me, sometimes I want to like spit out the words for them. I want to tell them, you know, hurry up, let's get the story going. Let me give you my 10-step solution. But that's not truly understanding. 
and listening and valuing the other person. Here's a good example. My husband really likes to play golf. I don't care a thing about golf. But every week, guess what? When he walks in from playing golf, whether he's played, because see, he, he'll play by himself. He's not like just stuck on this is a friend activity. He'll play by himself. He likes it that much. So every time he comes in and I say, how is golf? And he proceeds to go into an explanation of the golf game. I really don't care. I really couldn't care less. But he tells me, and I act interested, and I try to understand because it's important to him. And hopefully he does that with me as well on the things that I'm interested in. See, that's what a healthy relationship is. You can, it doesn't have to be that important to you, but that person just needs to be important to you. Tie number four. Oh, let me go say one more thing on that on understanding each other. How many of you are in relationship with someone who's totally opposite of you? I talked about verbal, nonverbal. We have homebody socialites, okay? We've got extroverted, introverted. We've got those that like to read, those that don't like to read anything. I mean, we've got night owls, early birds. I mean, usually, and it's the Lord's I say it's a sense of humor. He puts opposites together, usually. And we need to appreciate each other's personalities. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to be best friends with everyone, but appreciate how God made them. God has made us all very unique and very uh, different, and it's very good to appreciate each other and our personalities. All right, tie number four. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. One of the easiest ways to grow a healthy relationship is to offer encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. It says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. The message version says, so speak encouraging words to one another. See, we should be speaking to the people that we're in relationship with um, and let them know you're loved. I believe in you. I see you. I see the hurt that you're experiencing. I believe in you. I see the dreams that God has given to you, that God has put things in your heart. See, there's plenty of people out in the world discouraging us. We don't need that. There's a lot of people, they think it's a gift to see the worst in people. Have you ever met someone like that? I want to be like, that's not a spiritual gift to always see the worst in people. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love believes the best. Yes, everyone has flaws. Yes, they're not perfect but believe the best in the people that we're in relationship with. Families should be building each other up, supporting each other. Here's a good one. We should be the cheerleaders in each other's lives, the cheerleaders. 
Who's the cheerleader in your life? And who are you the cheerleader for? Think about that. Are you a cheerleader for someone? We should be rejoicing with them, encouraging them. Okay, so how can we encourage one another? Here's some practical things. By our words, by our actions, and by our attitudes. So our words, so we should have words of encouragement. We should say things. Do y'all know one of the saddest things ever is to go to a funeral and wish that you had said something to that person? Wish that you had told them one last time, I love you. See, my dad died when he was 63. And I had seen him the night before he passed away. And I told him, Daddy, I love you. I didn't have regrets. Now, did I want him to go that early? No. But we don't want to leave people, leave their presence with them not knowing words. Say the words. If you think it, say it to them. Tell them, you look pretty. Tell them, I see the gifts in you. And then by our actions, what can you do to show someone that you really care about them? What can you do to encourage them? What kind of action? Maybe it's send a text. Maybe it's uh, send them a coffee. Take them out to lunch. Do something. And then our attitudes. Wow. Do y'all know your kids? You can say a lot of things from your mouth, but they're going to pick up on your attitude. They're going to pick up on your attitude. And so those three things are words, our actions, and our attitudes can encourage one another. And then the second thing to encourage is by pointing out the positive. Point out the positive. Again, anybody can see the negative. Point out the positive in people. Tie five. Got two more. Ask for and offer forgiveness. Ask for and offer forgiveness. Anyone who lives in a family of any kind know people are going to disappoint you. People are going to hurt you. It happens to all of us, no matter what relationship you're in. At work, you're going to get hurt. You're going to be disappointed by the people you work around. They're not going to always do everything that you want them to do or that you think they should do. But we can forgive. See, one couple who'd been married for 54 years were asked, what's the secret? What's the secret to this long-lasting relationship? And they said, you overlook a lot of little things and you forgive each other daily. Daily. We have to choose to forgive. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone. Key word there. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So do we have a choice to forgive? Yes or no? Do we have a choice? No. From this scripture it says, we are forgiven by the Lord, so therefore we have to forgive others. 
We don't have a choice in this, in this matter. See, there's a story, a, Span a famous Spanish story from the country of Spain of a father and a son who had become estranged. The son ran away and the, the father set off to find him. He searched for months for his son to no avail. In a last desperate effort to find him, finally, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. See, families today are filled with people longing for reconciliation. Longing. Longing for reconciliation. It doesn't feel good to be estranged from people. Whether that's your parents, whether that's your spouse, whether that's your siblings, whether that's friends, all of us have had those times where we felt that distance and we need reconciliation. That is what Jesus is bringing to each one of us. Jesus brings reconciliation into our relationships. And here's something, write this down. There are times that we will just have to decide to let the past be in the past and release it so we can step into the future that God has for us. We just have to decide. Sometimes you're not going to be able to resolve every little issue and talk through every issue. This is why you did this and do you understand my point here? Sometimes we just have to say, I'm done. I love you. And I'm going to put that in the past. Now, I will say, I'm going to qualify this. Next week, we're going to talk about boundaries in relationships. And that's a big thing. And we're going to talk about what do healthy boundaries look like. But there just comes a time when we have to put the past in the past and release things. Release them for the sake of healthy relationships. Amen? And some of you need to experience that kind of forgiveness from God. You may be the Paco tonight. You may be the one that has run from God. Maybe you're watching online. You need to come back to the Father. He's ready. He's waiting. He says, all is forgiven. All is forgiven. And I love you. And I'm here for you. Jesus is that letter of forgiveness that God has sent out. And each of us can receive that tonight. And then the last tie of love for our relationships, number six, is make Christ the cornerstone. Make Christ the cornerstone. See, a cornerstone is the chief foundation on which something is constructed or developed. It's like if this was a uh, 
construction and it would be that corner piece, that cornerstone that held everything together. Christ has to be the middle of all of our relationships. So you can try to do things without Christ and you are gonna fail. You are not gonna do well. Christ needs to be the very middle, that cornerstone that holds all of our relationships together. Ephesians chapter two, verses 20 and 21 says, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We are the house that God lives in now, and our homes need to be built on the cornerstone of Christ. See, when Jesus is our cornerstone, our relationships will be healthy. When we have him as the center, when we have him as the, the chief part that we build from, our relationships will be healthy. So to end tonight, I just want to tell you, God specializes in renewing the past. God specializes in taking what was broken and making it whole again. He specializes in reconciliation for families. He specializes in restoring you back to relationship with friends maybe that you have lost relationship with. Maybe your past was less than ideal, but guess what? There's a good future in front of you and God wants to bless your relationships. I want you guys to stand up. To end tonight, I want to pray over some different areas because I know I, we hear a lot of stories of people in relationships that are broken. So I just want you to close your eyes. And if any of these are you, would you just lift your hands up when I get to this and let me pray a prayer of faith over you. If you've had a difficult marriage and you need God, to bring some health to a marriage. Just raise your hand up. Father, I pray over marriages tonight, Lord, and I pray, God, that you would just come in. Come into these marriages, God, and you would heal. Heal these marriages, God. Heal the broken places, God. Father, I pray that there would be love and understanding, God. I pray that there would just be that tie, God, of you, that you would be the cornerstone of these marriages, Lord. You help these spouses, God. Help them to know how to love and honor and respect. God, and I pray that you would just be with them. Okay, if you've had difficult relationships with your kids, I want you to raise your hand up. Some of you are estranged from children. Father, I pray, God, right now, over all of these parents, Father, I pray that you would just come in. Come into these difficult situations with children, whether they're young, Father, or adult children. Father, I pray that you would just mend the broken places. Mend the broken places, God, with our children. Lord, I pray that you would just give us a heart of love and acceptance, God, that our children would know, God, that we love them no matter what, and that you love them no matter what. 
in Jesus' name. If you've had difficulties with in-laws, if you'll just raise your hand up. Father, I pray right now over those that have dealt with these difficulties, God, with their in-laws, their families, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just move in these situations. Move in these in-law situations, God. Father, I pray that you would just bridge the gaps that are there. Bridge the gaps, Lord. Bring understanding, Lord Jesus, to places where there's been misunderstanding. Help us, Lord God, to sow love and kindness, Lord, and that you would just bring healing to those situations in Jesus' name. How about friends? You've been estranged from a friend. Father, I pray right now over the broken relationships with friends. Father, I pray, God, that you would just restore. Restore friendships. What Satan has meant for evil, God, I pray that you would turn these friendships around, God. Father, I pray that you, you just open doors. Father, that we could go and, and speak to our friends again and you would just restore the relationship that we once had, God, and that you would be the cornerstone of these friendships, God, in the name of Jesus. And the last one is at work. If you've had difficulties in relationships at work, if you would just raise your hand. I know, boy, coworkers can be hard to work with. Lord Jesus, we just lift up all of these who've had broken relationships. Father, I pray that you would just work in these situations. Work in them, Lord. Father, I pray that as we go to our, our work situations, Lord, that we would just let your light shine out on from us, God. Shine out from our hearts. Help us not to be selfish. Help us not to demand our own way, God, but help us to understand and be understanding and listen to the people that we work with, Lord. I just pray your peace would just flood into these work environments, God. You just flood into each one, God, and that you would just restore, restore, God, every work relationship in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just bless your people tonight. Father, I pray that each one of us would desire to have healthy relationships. In everything we do, God, may our relationships honor you and bring glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.